uh... you know, the Israelites were in the desert of sin, you could say, for a very, very long time, weren't they? What happened to their clothes? What happened to their shoes? How many ways did they cook manna? What, you haven't heard of manna burgers? <laughs> Manicotti? Come on, come on. I mean, they had to cook it a number of different ways because that's what they ate for 40, 40 years. It's the reason that I put these two texts together, the call to worship that you heard, and also the text that we have today that we're looking at. We're looking at the second half of the text. Uh, I've done it two weeks in a row. If you've noticed that, then you're really noticing, and I thank you for that. Uh, we are looking at Romans chapter 5, but we're looking at it in the context of the Old Testament experience of the Israelites. And that experience you just brought to mind was the situation where the Israelites leave Egypt and they have what they have on their backs. We're told that the Egyptian taskmasters gave them all kinds of things and that they were told to accept what they were given. And so when it came time to build a sanctuary, to build a tent for God, a tent of meeting, they brought so many things out of their little special hiding places that were presents from the Egyptian taskmasters that the uh, priests, particularly Moses, had to say, okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. They had things like skins. Where did, where did they get seal skins? Did you know that that was part of the top covering of the temple for insulation? Where did they get all that gold? And where did they get all the things that they had along with them when they went into that terrible place called the desert. They got them from the Egyptians. And then, when their food and water ran out, which they could not eat, they could not eat their rings and, and everything that they'd been given, they cried out to God, and God said, I got you. I got you. Now, uh, my friend was saying, uh, in response to his wife's question, uh, a moment ago, what are you afraid of? He said, I'm afraid of the IRS. <laughs> is that, is that, a, is that a, a fair statement at this moment in April? Okay. I hope that you're not. I hope that you're not afraid because I'm hoping that as a result of being here today, as a result of looking into these scriptures, you will get a sense of the fact that God has said in so many ways, to so many people, so many times, I got you. Don't worry. Your clothes are not going to wear out. Your shoes. Your tent. And in fact, when I ask for offerings, you're going to give so generously, I'm going to have to tell you to stop. <coughs> Amazing, isn't it? Different perspective when you think about God. The fact is, in the lesson study that we had this morning, I, I got the chance to teach, and it was very wonderful, but as I read that lesson study, I realized one thing that we need to, to, to emphasize again as a congregation today, and that is that we said it at the end together, it's not about us, it's about... Okay, so you didn't get it, right? <laughs> 
It's not about me, it's about... Come on. If you believe that, and that permeates your entire life, permeates how you live your life, you are going to have a different life. No, no questions asked. You are going to have a different life if you decide right here today, maybe you've never decided this before in your life, but you decide from now on it's all going to be about God. The reason I say this is because we have this uh, neat little uh, text in the Bible that we like to claim as ours. Anyone have a thought what that might be? Revelation, what chapter? 14, what verse? 7, which says the first angels, first angels in the in the midst of heaven, flying in the midst of heaven, here comes the first angel, and he says, what? Okay, I'm going to give you a new interpretation. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to the God of heaven. Which God? It's very specific. It says, the God who did what? Made heaven and earth. This is the Creator God. As I said to the class this morning, this is why you are sitting here. I'm believing. If you didn't know that this is why you are sitting here, now you know why you are sitting here. You are sitting here because you are honoring the God of creation. Now some people want to say that you keep the Jewish Sabbath. I say God was God before the Jewish people. He's the God of Genesis. He's the God who created. And so because you are honoring the Creator God, Revelation 14, chapter, verse 7, not just any God, not Shiva, not, not uh, you know, Muhammad, not anyone else that might be called God in this world. You are honoring the Creator God. That is why you have decided to come and do this service with us. By the way, thank you. You could have gone many other places. In fact, there's people sitting here today who I thought were going to be other places. But you're here. You decided to come here. And you decided to join with us in our praise service, which is what we try to construct every Sabbath. Thank you very much, Mr. Thornburg, uh, for your team and, and getting everything together. Because that's what we try to do. We try to come together. Because when we're together in a group this big, we can do things that you can't do when you're just at home with your family. There's an experience that you can have that I pray every week will be strengthening for you so that you will want to stick with the God of creation. Because that, my friends, is why I believe the Seventh-day Adventist Church was called into existence. So if you don't know why you're an Adventist, maybe today you can leave and you can know I'm an Adventist because I have been called to tell people, hey! Pay attention to the God of creation. It's not a big, it's not a big, uh, 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 you know, long, lengthy, three-page uh, list of things that you have to do. That is the thing. That is the thing. And we're hoping that by being Sabbatarian Christians in a world where 1.2 billion class, what is the English way of saying billion? Thousand. Million. Is that easier for you to comprehend? We can say, oh, million? I'd like to be a millionaire. 
But when we speak of people who are billionaires, I like to think of the English version of billion, as in American and English. Americans billion, the English say thousand million. A little bit easier to comprehend. Yes, the Adventist church has 20 million people who call themselves Seventh-day Adventists in the whole world. 20 million. How many did I say? Christians? 1.2 thousand million. Okay? 1,000.2. What was that? 1,200? I don't know. Help me, Jason. You're the numbers guy. 12,000 million? 1.2 billion people in this world call the mother church home. And we're jumping around saying 20 million? 20. It's like a drop. That's it. So we've got, a, we've got a big job to do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We've got a big job if we're going to think that we can help God to be influential in this world today. Okay? So I'm not diminishing. Believe me, I'm not, I'm not criticizing here. But I am trying to right-size. I'm trying to right-size maybe the picture that you have of the world today and the job that we have as people who have decided to stand up and say, I believe in the God of creation. I believe in the God who made the Sabbath. And that's why I worship on the seventh day. Okay? I met a guy this week. Um, he's from Egypt. And I uh, spoke a little Arabic to him. And I learned when I was in Israel as a student missionary that the way that they say our name, our Adventist name, is Adventist Septain. Adventist Septain, the seventh day. See, the seventh day Adventist. And when you say this to a, an Arabic Christian, they look at you kind of funny. Isn't that the Sabbath of the Jewish people? And you see, when you're in Israel, and you're telling them, I'm a Christian, I believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I worship on the seventh day. I mean, you can just see the confusion on people's faces. And I know that some of you have run into this even here in the United States. It's very strange. What we are doing right now is strange. And some of you can, can maybe tell me, because this is maybe your first time in a church on a Saturday. It's strange, people. We are not normal. 1.2 billion people are telling us you are not normal. So, I'm just going to say it's a big job. It's a big job. It was the job that, that God gave to his people, and, and, and now they're, they're potentially about 2 million, that's what we're told by archaeologists, okay, that come out of Egypt and go into the desert and a few weeks later, don't, don't ever miss this, a few weeks later, they reach Canaan for the first time. 
They've seen Sinai. They've come past the mountain. They've received the Ten Commandments. They've received. They're now ready to go in. And you know the story of the ten spies, twelve spies, excuse me, the twelve spies, the ten who said we can't and the two who said we can. Joshua and Caleb. It was because of those ten that the rest of the tribes literally were going to pick up stones at that moment and throw them at Joshua and Caleb and kill them for their idea that they could actually trust God and go into Canaan and that they were that they trusted a big God. Well, I want you to know that, that I believe that the Seventh-day Adventist church's history has mirrored this kind of activity. And that in 1888, there was an opportunity, we are told, by a little lady named Ellen White, that there was the possibility that God would have decided, okay, this is a people who has done what I've asked, and now they're ready to come into... But then they decided, you know what? We get to heaven by ourselves. We have to be good enough. And when we say we're good enough, then we're good enough, and that's when we get to heaven. And God said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did you not understand that I got you? Did you not understand that that's what the Sabbath is all about? So back into the wilderness. Back into the wilderness. And here we are still today. Here we are still today. Do you, do you know, you probably know, that the men of military age in Israel who were there the first time at Kadesh Barnea, never made it out of the desert except for those two guys, Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else died in the desert. And God told them that that was, when it, that was what was going to happen. Can you imagine? You have been saved out of Egypt. You have seen the Red Sea part. You have seen Pharaoh's soldiers drowned in the Red Sea. And you didn't believe. You didn't believe that you could go into Canaan and that there were giants in the land and you believed the ten spies who thought that you were just a bunch of grasshoppers. Wow. Wow, really? But then let's realize that today we, we often make the same mistakes. We often think about God in very, very small ways and we put him in boxes Dare I say, and, and this might sound crazy to you, dare I say that we put him in an Adventist box? Really? Could it be? So I'll tell you what I'm trying to practice these days, and maybe you'll join me. I'm trying to practice the art of letting God be God. Okay? Not telling him what he has to do, not telling him what he has to be, but letting him be who he is. Uh, recently, I thought about how this would work if you have a friend that believes in evolution. Tell them, fine, carbon dating, yes, uh, millions of years, oh, potential. I mean, I don't know for sure. Do you know for sure? Okay, let's just say that the world, let's just go for a moment here. Let's just say this rock... What did they do? Uh, third rock from the sun. This rock out of the entire huge universe. Have you seen those pictures from Hubble? Okay. And, and what do we look like in the universe? 
a speck if you have a good telescope. All right? This rock, God says, okay, I'm going to now create a habitable space. I mean, this is what Elon Musk wants to do with Mars, right? <laughs> He's not God. Uh, okay? <laughs> I'm going to take this space and I'm going to make it habitable for creatures that I think about. And when I think about them, they come into being. And then I'm going to take some dirt and I'm going to fashion this, this being and then I'm going to breathe into him the breath of life. And then he is going to become a living soul. And then I'm, then I'm going to put him to sleep and I'm going to take out one of his ribs and I'm going to mold, I'm going to mold that rib and I'm going to make the, an even more beautiful creature that is going to absolutely wow him, which is what happened. And then they're going to believe that they're bone of... Because of course she was. She was his bone. This one right here. And, and they got together. And what did he give them as a wedding present? The Sabbath! Okay, so I just married off my daughter. Hi, baby. She's watching me on TV. Um, you know what? Her husband and her are now making a life together. They're doing a good job of it. Okay, they're doing this thing that kids are calling adulting. Not adultery. It's not what I said. Okay, it's adulting. Oh my goodness. I really, I have to do this for myself now? Yes. Yes, you have to do this for yourself. Uh, kids, kids are learning this a little later on. I, I learned this when I was 18. Some of the kids are now 25, 27, 30 years of age, uh, and they have to do things that are, are adulting uh, things. It's pretty cool. But they are learning to take care of themselves. Uh, where was I? <laughs> God comes along with his people, and, and he, he says, I got you. I got you, and I'm going to take care of you. And when I take care of you, you're going to see that Sabbath is this time when you're going to remember that I can take care of you. It's my new thing. I hope you hear it many times from me. Because how can you break a gift like that? Some of you are like me. You grew up with parents who said, don't break the Sabbath. Or in my case, you are not allowed to wear shorts. We lived where it was hot. And we were not allowed to wear shorts on Sabbath afternoon because we might break the Sabbath. Are you serious? Please, listen very carefully to me, parents. Sabbath was made for man, not man. Thank you. God gives this gift, this beautiful wedding gift, to his freshly made human family and says, enjoy. Guess what? Here's the phrase for today. I got you. He needs to remind us, so he puts it in the Ten Commandments, and lately I've been saying that when God wrote the Fourth Commandment, he, he was chuckling to himself. <laughs> better, I better remind them about this one. So he starts out, remember! Remember. He doesn't say that about any of the other commandments, but he says it about this one. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember I created it? Remember I gave it to you as a gift? And why? Because I'm the God who can do anything. So you've got your evolutionary friend, and he's, 
he's saying, oh, but there's this and there's this and the other. I say, that's fine. That's fine. You can believe that. But I want to believe in this big God who has loved me so much that first of all, he's given me Sabbath, which says, I got you. And then he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and legally take me out of this mess that is called this great controversy that we're in. He's going to take me out of this mess and he's going to give me a way to live forever and ever. Why would I not love a God like that? Romans. Romans chapter 5 very simply says, Paul, Paul has these couplets going. And he says, while we were still, okay, I'll choose one, sinners. How about, how about another one? While we were still enemies of God. While we were still thinking we could do it ourselves. Jesus died for us. The reason I wanted to talk to you about this uh, in these two Sabbaths is because we have just celebrated Easter. And lest we just let Easter in 2018 fade into our rearview mirrors. I want to keep us focused on the cross. I want to keep us focused on the fact that because Jesus does this for us, he is trying desperately to get into our 2018 uh, 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 modern, post-modern, post-post-modern, post-truth, thick skulls. I got you. I got you. So that's why I call it because he lives, I live. Because he loves, I can love. Want to hear more about that? Come the last Sabbath of this month. Want to see a situation? Want to be part of a situation that, that is going to exemplify everything that I have just been saying? Then I want to invite you to a wedding. And you're saying, a wedding, Pastor? Yes. Come next week. Don't, don't stay away. Don't say, oh my goodness, my kids will never sit through this. It's going to be actually that short, and I promise it will be. We are going to have a wedding in church next Sabbath. Now, you saw that in the bulletin. Rachel and Gavin have kindly allowed me to ask them to have their wedding in church on a Sabbath morning. Now here's, here's, the, here's the piece that you get. If you are married, and I hope happily so, and would like the opportunity to restate your vows to your spouse, so I'm, I'm, I'm talking to legally married people here, okay? because I'm, I'm not necessarily going to sign any more pieces of paper uh, unless you come to me this week. You know, and then we can have a chat. But I'm going to offer you the opportunity to say again what you may have said years ago to your spouse. In public, in front of everybody, in front of God and everybody, to say, I am yours and you are mine. It's essentially, it's essentially what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 5. God is trying desperately 
to get a hold of the attention of his people, his whole world full of people. He's trying to get a hold of them to tell them one thing. I love you. I got you. Now, would that be just a little easier to tell your friends if they ask you why you go to church on Sabbath? Tell them, you know, because that's the day that God tells me he's got his hands underneath me. He is supporting me. He's never, ever going to let me go. And so because he called me to come and be with him on that day, to spend that day with him, I got to go. I got to go. I mean, if, if, if somebody called you from Disney or, or from you know, some of the other big networks around and said, hey, uh, we, we have this little get-together that we're having and, and you can bring your family and, and, and we'd like you to come. Uh, uh, would, would you be there at Monday at 6? And you show up at Tuesday at 6. Ha, I'm here. And the guard at the gate is going, excuse me, who are you? See, I mean, I just don't know why we don't understand that what we do sometimes is rude. It's rude to God. And, and that's a hard thing to tell people. But we've got to try other ways of telling them. And so this is the way that I'm offering you today by thinking about Romans chapter 5, thinking about the experience of the people in the desert. God has decided to tell us in so many ways, I will take care of you you don't have to worry about the future. Yes, in our lesson study, we're studying the end time. But class, what did we discover today when I talked to you about the fact that I'm burying Uncle Alex this week and on Monday? Is Uncle Alex here with us anymore? No. So when was it the end times for Uncle Alex? About two weeks ago, right? That, that was the end of time for Uncle Alex. So if you're worried about the end times, please don't be. Please don't be. Worry more whether or not you know the God of the end times. <clears throat> and that he is the God of your entire life. And that you are walking with him. And that you are talking with him. And that you are living in such a way that there will be other people who will want to walk and talk with him as well. Is that simple? Had a, a pastor meeting this week, and your former pastor and my friend, uh, Greg Honus, encouraged us as pastors. He said, when somebody leaves your church on Sabbath, do they know more about Jesus? I want you to know more about Jesus when you leave on Sabbath. He said, do they know more about what it is that the Seventh-day Adventist church is about? I'm hoping you leave today knowing some very simple things about what we exist to do and to be this next week. Not, not forever and ever. Just try it this week. Somebody is going to be put into your pathway. I don't know who it is, but God is going to put somebody in your pathway and you're going to get an opportunity to share this testimony. And this testimony is going to be, God's got you. God's got you. I don't know how, but I trust a big God who made heaven and earth 
I trust him. You want to trust him too? That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. It's not that difficult. It's maybe a little scary to get the conversation going, but let me tell you, there are thousands of people out there that need to hear that message in the United States today. So in your part of the United States, I'm offering you the opportunity to be the hands, the feet, and the mouth, the words of God to your friends. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I, I, just, I just feel like we, we really need to trust you more. We really need to realize that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were, were away from you, even though we were called by you, maybe some of us have gone away from you. You reached out and you, you gave us the opportunity to, to come back. And, and, and you, you, you changed our legal status and, and you've made us your own. Jesus, we want to, <clears throat> we want to thank you so much for that. And we, we ask you to give us the power and the strength to walk in the ways that you want us to walk this week, to, to be that, that example of what happens when we trust as humans, when we trust you as our God. Lord, we, we don't know what that's going to look like. So we're going to need to, to stay in communication with you. So we're going to ask very specially, Lord, that this week the Holy Spirit will speak to us and will lead us and guide us. And Lord, I don't know what you're going to need to do with each one of us, but please turn down the volume of the things in this world so that we can hear that still small voice and that we can follow it and that we can know the joy of being part of your kingdom and seeing the transformation that you will do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We, we thank you in Jesus' wonderful and powerful name for doing this. Amen. <laughs>